I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. I'm so excited we're on volume three. <laughs> yeah, we're chugging along. We're two volumes down, two to go to get to the good stuff at IDW. That's that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, but I I, I like this because it's insanity. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so, it, there's so much insanity that we had to have someone come on this week and help us break it all down. Uh, a fellow Ninja Turtle nerd, if you will. Uh, so, this week we've got Spencer here from the Ninja Turtle Power Hour podcast. Say hi, Spence. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here. It's really fun. Your guys' podcast is actually, when I saw it coming up, I'd been thinking about doing a Ninja Turtle podcast. When I saw you guys putting yours out there on Reddit, I think is where I first saw it, I was like, okay, I got to get making my own. You guys really <laughs> kind of helped me get myself in gear and, and get started oh. on finding people oh, to make one. Awesome. So thank you. Nice. Well, th- that's a first to hear on our podcast. That's cool. And yeah, today we're here to talk about the first issue, like Sean said, of the third volume of Ninja Turtles kicked off the Image Comics run they did. Oh, yeah. I tried to find details about why they went to Image Comics, and there's not a whole lot out there other than the obvious stuff we've hinted at already where, like, you know, it was too much of a workload for the staff Mirage had to to keep putting out a weekly book. Other than that, like, I couldn't find anything on, like, why they chose Mirage, I mean, Image specifically. You know what I mean? Like, they could have gone to, like, Dark Horse or or... Even maybe one of the big two. Who knows? But I, I haven't found anything on that ever. Do you know anything? I think, I mean, this is just guessing. Image is, you know, like an independent publisher. Yeah. You know, like they keep their rights and everything else. While it's probably a, little, a lot less so for Marvel and DC. And I don't really know a whole lot about Dark Horse. Yeah, that's a good. I think Dark Horse has some creator-owned stuff. But you're right. Image is, the, especially in the early 90s, the place to be for this type of thing. I mean, they weren't even that old a company at this point. Yeah, they were like the forefront of creators' rights at this time. Like, you know, the company that was really doing it and having success doing it. So it would make sense for them to I take mean, their place there. They make the- yeah, it makes the most sense because of that. And, I mean, if you're Todd McFarlane and the guys behind Image, wouldn't you want to get one of the most successful independent comic yeah. properties <laughs> ever under your umbrella? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So we get a lot to talk about with this one. Uh, I know I know, we usually oh, have boy. a little bit more chit-chat up front, but I'm going to be the police here and get us right into the details because I feel like we're going to talk a lot about this comic book. <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit. So the story, all the stories at, the, at this volume are untitled. So untitled for this issue, at least on the first run. I think the IDW reprints gave them titles, which we'll, we'll bring up as they go. Uh, But this one didn't have one. So first issue, untitled, cover artist, Eric Larson and uh, Ruben Rude. When it says Anne IHOC, I was unfamiliar with that credit. I don't know what IHOC is. I'm sure sure it's something lots of people know, and I just don't. Story by Gary Coulson, pencils by Frank Fosco, inks by Eric Larson and Chance Wolf, lettering by Chris Elopoulos, and colors by Adam... Uh, Gazowski came out in June of 1996 so that's eight months after 
the last issue of volume two. So you got an eight month hiatus in there to set things up and, and get things ready to go. And I think, yeah, let's go take a look at back at June of 1996. This month in entertainment. We've got uh, some movies here. Movies released June of 96. Independence Day. All right, nice. That was actually, uh, you remember how I, I talked about Ninja Turtles 3 being like the first movie I remember being disappointed in? Independence yeah. Day was like the first time I learned that not everybody likes a movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember specifically somebody complaining that they hated it, like on the school bus, and being like, but, but everything talks about how it's a great movie. How could someone not like it? <laughs> it has Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith. What is there not to like? <laughs> it was like a new concept to me that, like, there's varying degrees of public opinion. It's not just everyone believing the same thing. <laughs> Independence Day broke that in for me. Striptease also came out in June of 96. The Nutty Professor is in there. Uh, the Phantom, another comic book movie. Oh, that's a really good movie. I like that movie. That's a movie that if you watch it now in like HD... Uh, it was not prepared for the HD era because, like, the, the stuntman work on that, it's so obvious whenever it's a stuntman. It was one of those things where I don't think they were prepared for HD in that way. Are you telling me Billy Zane did not do his own stunts? He did refuse to believe them. it. <laughs> not all of them. But uh, there's also an alternate reality where Bruce Campbell did get cast. We also strangely had Reindeer Games in June of 96. Great time for a Christmas movie, June. The Rock classic and The Hunchback of Notre Dame came out in June of 96, the Disney version. Okay, I've seen that one. I've seen that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, that was actually, I feel like, where Rock? I started dipping out of Disney movies. Uh, Sean and I would have been in June 96, so we're starting the seventh grade, seventh I grade. think. Yeah, so yeah. teenagers now, too cool for Disney. <laughs> I would have been born the next year. Oh. <laughs> My goodness. Music, June of 96. It was all about the, spelled T-H-A, The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony. It was the number one song the whole month of June of 96. Not a song a good I'm familiar song. with. Oh, is it? No, no, it's, it's a good jam. I'm sure and if Mariah Carey's not involved. It. So... Video games, the Nintendo Power cover is Mario running from those big metal balls from Mario 64. And uh, it says Nintendo 64 Blowout, Mario 64, Pilot Wings, uh, Blast Core, Shadows of the Empire, GoldenEye 007, Cruising USA, and more. Wait, there was a, a Pilot Wings for the Nintendo 64? Oh, yeah, it was a that launch title. That was the title. first one. It or was second very, second very one, different from the Super Nintendo version, though. It was like, it still was like you flying different things and like getting graded on it, but like the art style is completely different. Like goes yeah. for like this weird cartoon, you know, like a Nintendo 64 sprite would look like. Like picture, you ever see that like first trailer they did for Zelda 64 before it was even like Ocarina of Time when like Link looks really awkward? 
Um, I, I mean, I've, I've played Ocarina of Time, but I haven't seen a trailer for it. I'm trying to get you to picture, like, what these things look like in Pilot Wing 64. Like, the people, they, they were just like a series of blocks. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was, like, very <laughs> awkward uh, 3D. Was it still, like, banging your head against the wall hard? Because, like, that's all I remember from trying to play that game as a kid. And, and you lose, and you have to start from the beginning. I don't remember the difficulty level much. Uh, I remember there was like a Mount Rushmore. It all took place on this one island, and the, there was yeah. like a Mount Rushmore on it. I remember using the jetpack a lot because it was like one of the first times you could like explore a map in like a 3D world. That was pretty cool. Huh. Um, but yeah, don't have I, a whole I'm lot of memories. Pretty about sure that one. I'm alone on this, but I hate pilot wings. Like, there's nothing of them? fun about it. All of them. They're not fun. They're just frustrating. And I mean, I've beaten a lot of Souls them. games. So. I love the Super Nintendo one. I'm not a fan of the 64. Ugh. Yeah, all I had was oh. a Super Nintendo for years, you know, when I was a kid. So we had, like, six games, and one of them was Pilot Wings. So that's why I, like, immediately perked up upon hearing Pilot Wings. <laughs> I love the Super Nintendo one. I guess Sean doesn't. Yeah, I had fun with it. It just was it very just... challenging, uh, especially when you're a young kid. Yep. I've only played it as an adult when you're like, no, it's super easy, and you're just showing me up, and I can't even, like, get the plane off the ground. So the TV events from that month, there's no real, like, debu debuts or shows ending that were worth talking about. So here's what people were watching. The week of July 1st, 2020, brought in the, the new show, 2020. Um, brought in 15.6 million viewers. So I, I tried finding what they were talking about. And my best guess is it seems like that was the Barbara Walters interview with the Menendez brothers. That's why everyone was watching okay. that. Because that aired June 28th. So that would have been the week of July 1st for the ratings, I think. July 8th, Seinfeld had 20.1 million viewers. And the rest of the month... The number one show was the 26th Summer Olympics, had 42.7 million viewers. All of this is really putting into perspective that thing we said a few episodes ago about the O.J. Simpson high-speed chase. Yeah. 150 million viewers. Like, the Olympics is only getting 42 million. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, uh, we, oh, we said the Super Bowl that year had 80 million. So more yep. people watched the OJ chase than the Super Bowl that year. They should have they should have sold commercial time if they knew he was going to do it. <laughs> it's funny you bring Barbara Walters up cuz I saw her on Twitter today. I didn't know this. She also interviewed the Ninja Turtles. I was like, "Oh, I knew Oprah. I didn't know Barbara Walters also interviewed the Ninja Turtles." Yeah, I was about to say I've seen the one where Oprah interviews them for their tour. Maybe I actually have seen part of the Barbara Walters one, because I think in that one, like, Donnie breaks down, like, crying. Like, someone shared it, and he, like, <laughs> breaks down crying, and she has to, like, comfort him or something. It's funny, because it's such a 90s thing. I can't see somebody doing that now. Yeah, no, no. definitely aren't as popular anymore, I don't think. As funny, to podcasts. as funny as it would be to see Tucker Carlson interviews the Ninja Turtles, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's about as real as his show is. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that was all the uh, news and events I had from 
June of 96. So let's let's start talking about this issue. I'm sure we've got plenty to say. Where is it available, Sean? Where can our listeners find this thing? So you can find this on Comixology and in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends Volume 1, which the naming of this collection is why it took me forever to get Volume 3, because I thought this was IDW's wacky, like, labeling. So it made it sound like it was more Mirage Volume 1 uh, guest error that they had put together. And then I did a little digging and I went, uh, oh, this is actually Volume 3. It's not as bad as being like where, where they name like color classics and then classics and then yeah, like different, yeah. all that different naming scheme. But it's it, they could be titling their stuff better. Yeah, they, they do not make it easy. Nope. At all. Nope. <laughs> it took me probably like at least four years as like a fan that was really into the comics to have finally like found the classic series that has the guest era. For the longest time, I thought you couldn't read like any of it unless you like did some digging on the internet or, you know, in a, in a back issue bins. Couldn't find it. It took me years to finally find these books and figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, and if they ever get around to doing Volume 4, I'm sure they'll have a whole new title for it. It won't even just continue the classics line. It'll be like something else. 2000s The Turtles ones you forgot like about. TMNT, all grown up. I, I don't know, something. Adults. So, cover of this issue. I'm just going to say this now because... So, in the Urban Legends collection, I don't know why the covers are at the end of every issue. I don't know if that's an alternate cover they have at the beginning, but yeah, it's like at the end of the issue where the the cover that says first issue. So the cover at the beginning is just the one that's the cover of the book. So, I mean, if you're going to talk about that quick, it's just all four turtles standing there. It's very Queen 2 to me. Like, it just looks like that album cover with turtles. Okay, I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Are you talking Urban Legends cover? Or? So the actual cover's at the end of the issue. So the Legends cover's the one like that the looks cover like the from Queen when it w- 2 album. So, yep. So the yeah, a- you're talking about the cover of the volume, Sean, yep. right? Yep, that's the cover of the volume. Yeah. So the actual first issue cover, boy, it just screams image out the gate. It's all four turtles just kind of <laughs> brandishing their weapons. Ripped. Although, for some reason, Raph has tuning forks. Is they don't look like size. And, yep. No, they do that throughout the whole image run. It, it almost makes me wonder if they know yeah. that size aren't <laughs> three pointy daggers. It reminds me a yeah. lot of, like, Electra's when Frank Miller was doing Daredevil. Yeah, I'm sure that's something they were drawing inspiration from, too. They love Frank Miller. All of Image Comics. But, I mean, it's a pretty cool cover. You, you get those classic turtle teeth all image-fied. I like how they have Mikey swinging the nunchucks. Like, that's just cool looking. But it, mm-hmm. it certainly gets a point across that, hey, the turtles are back, but they're a wee bit different this time. I'm noticing on my tablet here, there's, like, text in the, like, backwards text on this that you can just barely make out. That makes it like I think this is like a photocopy, <laughs> and they were seeing into the, the the behind the page. You know what I mean? Like the first page of the comic book, oh, maybe. <laughs> but it's in the actual <laughs> digital reprint. That's cr- I didn't notice it till just now. Yeah, I think it's the credits 
but they're written backwards. So it's clearly <laughs> like when you open the book, they're going to be on that page. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, so I'm, I'm looking in, on the inside, because I have the uh, actual, like, individual issues of Urban Legends. I don't have the collected versions. Oh, okay. And it looks oh, like nice. all of the B covers for this series was the original cover from when it was printed under image. Yeah, they used the original colors for the covers for that, yeah. And uh, I'll bet the digital one is a scan of the original actual comic book. Because so, it, does your page one have a Gary written I, I have on a, it? I have a Gary in mine. Yeah, it's like a tiny thing that just shows all the different covers uh, on the inside of the first page, on the inside of the cover. Sean, talk for a minute. I'm going to go grab my original printing of this and see if it says Gary on the inside cover. All right. Because I think that I think it bled through. <laughs> you solved that Gary mystery. So, yeah, Spencer, it, again, thanks for coming on. I, I mean, we really have been making it a point to combine as many turtle pods as we can. It's tough. It definitely... And oftentimes you just get busy enough in your own week that you just forget to even reach out and talk to people. Because we have had that goal, too, to have more guests and to appear on other people's shows. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, suddenly another week's gone by and you haven't done it. (laughs) You guys uh, addressed something I brought up on Turtles 3, so you explained why the lip sync felt off. So I was like, oh, yes, this is why I love when other shows cover the same thing, because you guys explained what I was seeing. So that was great. It is. It says Gary on the actual cover. Check this out. I'll post this on our Twitter and Instagram when this episode goes up. Let me get my Skype here so I can show it to you. This page, the inside front cover, you can totally read on the digital version because you can kind of, I don't know if you can see, you can see it bleed through here. And you can totally read the inside front cover on the digital version. Well, it's That's definitely so in the me. collection. Authenticity all around from IDW. Yeah, one thing I also just, I don't know, one of those things that just kind of hits like that nostalgia button for me is seeing the long flowing headbands on the Turtles. Uh, I can even yeah. just remember watching, so like my Ninja Turtles movie was the animated 2007 one. Uh, and during the okay. during the main menu like of the DVD, the Turtles would be standing there and they're totally still but their headbands are like flapping in the wind and it's playing the the epic music that comes on when leo's like flying in on the wheel of the airplane you know holding on to the airplane when he's oh, coming back cool. and it just kind of plays that on loop and so whenever i see the long flowing headbands that's immediately what comes to mind <laughs> that is so cool that that's like your turtles too yeah yeah i never i hadn't i didn't ever see the live action movies until i was about 20 like people had told me to give them a watch and so I, it was a lot later in life until I saw those original live action movies. I bought the collection at Walmart that was like 10 bucks or however yep. much and finally watched them. All ages love turtles. Right, so <laughs> it's great. Let's dive on into this issue. So there's plenty going on. <laughs> if you've been listening and you thought volume two kind of went out with a whiff, uh, volume three starts right off with Donnie exploding on a full page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they hit the ground running for sure. Yeah, it launches immediately into action. And when I picked this up, because I haven't read it in a while, when I picked it up and read it, I had to go back and like look at the cover and make sure I was reading issue one (laughs) again. Because I was like, yeah, did I miss something? No, yeah, it it definitely starts like in media res. This thing starts mid-sentence practically. 
So it turns out it's the turtle's 18th birthday party, and it's been crashed by cyborgs. <laughs> Again, they don't waste any time. They just go. I have to say, right off the bat, the cyborg thing, because I've always heard that Volume 3 is supposed to be in the same continuity as Volume 2 and, and some of Volume 1. Yeah. And, like, the cyborg thing, it just feels so out of nowhere. Like, it, just like everything at the beginning here, it just, like... It didn't seem like they were living in this in the Turtles universe until just now. Yeah, it's it's something they just didn't mention. Yeah, Baxter Stockman did put his brain inside a robot at this point. But also in Body Count, uh, there's a hitman called Johnny Woo Woo that has like metal arms and is maybe a Terminator guy. <laughs> when did Body Count? Was that Volume <laughs> Three or is that an Image book? I can never Body Count. I always lose track of. It happened in the middle of the transition. So issue oh, okay. one was published by Mirage and was Raphael Casey Jones, number one. I definitely want to do that on our show at some point. I just, um, it, that that's a turtle story that's like a, a blind spot for me. I, I've, I've only read it like once. Yeah, it's it's nuts. <laughs> we just, we covered <laughs> it. We actually just recorded it this week. So otherwise I would have forgotten about Johnny Woo Woo's metal arms and his <laughs> cyborg qualities. But yeah, so he's kind of a cyborg, I guess. So it kind of makes sense that Raph says he hates stinking cyborgs, because uh, I guess he has seen one. So yeah, like I, you know, it, it's kind of there, um, kind of not. <laughs> but I see where you're coming from. So Leo, Raph, and Mikey fight off the cyborgs while Splinter watches over the injured Donnie. And right at this point, I at least appreciate they do this at the beginning. They establish the rules for the cyborgs. Because they start, the turtles start cutting limbs off and stuff. So the cyborgs inject themselves with painkillers when injured. Like, immediately. And they, they have the ability, which we, we said Baxter was almost a prelude to it, but I don't know if it's actually connected in any way. That they're able to kind of regrow No, I th- we said at the time that I think it was like unintentional, unintentional. foreshadowing. Okay. But it's it's interesting that their their mech suits both kind of repair them in the same way. Like they both Baxter and these these guys like get rebuilt if they get like a limb cut off or something. So you get a really cool moment of Raph decapitating one of the cyborgs, and then Mikey jumps in because he realizes the head's starting to grow back. So he just wails on it with his nunchucks. And has the first that whole sentence just sounds like you know they're on Image Comics now. Like we're we're like five pages in, we're decapitating cyborgs. So then uh, we we get, you know, we've had these uncomfortable moments before, but I think Image really really runs with them. Uh, Master Splinter is being held hostage now in the sewer by quote unquote the tush that Mikey has dibs on. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that, that's definitely one of these things that comes through in these books is horny turtles. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a thing for this whole series. <laughs> so so this woman who has Splinter has possibly the least ninja outfit ever. Kind of this weird red dominatrix type thing going on. Really high level armor. Yeah, it's again... F- for women some image some image imagery so, 
So it, it turns out the cyborgs were there to capture one turtle and splinter. That was the plan. And it's quickly revealed. That was the grocery list. <laughs> we get everything. Eggs, milk, turtle. Ah, crap. So the cyborgs escape with Splinter and Donnie. Turns out they're working for someone called the Dragon Lord. Which, again, I thought this was a nice setup to kind of differentiate that, hey, this is new turtles, new villains, new whatever. The only thing I've noticed so far already in image is sometimes it's confusing what's going on because we go right into a flashback with Donnie of what happened when we first opened the book. So it goes back through what was going on at their 18th birthday and how Splinter had got them four baby turtles that were unmutated. It's kind of a, hey, this could have been you guys, but instead you're you. And it's a nice moment and it almost seems out of place in an image book but so the the flashback ends with where we started with one of the cyborgs pointing guns at donnie and then he wakes up screaming in a helicopter and starts attacking the cyborgs in the helicopter when donatello is just like wow nice guns uh, are you guys part of the surprise like, he's supposed <laughs> to be the smart one <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, we, we hired assassins for our 18th birthday. You know, we got these cyborgs to come into our secret lair and uh, surprise you. <laughs> I noticed the, the throughout the whole image run, I feel like they also give Leonardo... I don't think the Image Comics people know how to write Donatello too well. Because a lot of Leonardo dialogue sounds like it should be Donatello stuff. They, they figure like, oh, Leo's the leader. Give him all the smart stuff. And Donatello suffers for it. Well, they even have Raphael saying some of the smart stuff. I think it's because yep, Donatello yep. is out cold for a lot of this, and so they have to have someone figure out the tech stuff. Yeah. Donnie can't do it. <laughs> so now we have the turtles debating on how to go after Splinter and Donatello, and the head of the cyborgs just on a table, and it just starts screaming. So even when detached from the body, it's alive. So Raph decides he's going to put the cyborg out of its misery and it blasts him in the face, which is a pretty horrific image. So Raph gets, becomes a little big bad Harv now. He's got a two-faced thing going. And you get this amazing moment where Mikey's like, no, no, I got it. Let's go get the first aid. What does Mikey think is in the first aid? Like... <laughs> There's no like gauze. There's no lots, like lots of gauze. <laughs> he acts like they have nanotechnology or a back to tank or something in there. Raph literally has half his face missing, so it's just a really funny moment to me. Yeah, just put some bandages on it. You'll be fine. When I was a teenager, I accidentally, like I was like 16, I accidentally got my arm like slit open by a knife. And decided to handle it all myself. My mom came home from wherever she was to her son just with, like, a paper towel, like, strapped down <laughs> with rubber bands to his arm. You know? Like, <laughs> so this really doesn't surprise me that uh, these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be like, yeah, we'll just wrap his head in gauze and call it good. We, you know, first aid applied. <laughs> I feel like a big, like, I mean, it's probably obvious, but the... The thing they're trying to do here, right at the jump, issue one, is they're trying to differentiate these turtles from previous versions of the turtles. And right away, they're like, let's give them some physical differences. Let's 
scar Raphael's face like crazy. Let's, you know, send Donatello on his way towards his, like, eventual rebirth. Uh, as a, we, we won't spoil that. But his gears are in motion already issue one for what he's going to become. And, like, right away they're like, we're going we're gonna to make these things look like the image turtles, you know? I actually really like what they do with Donatello in this. It's, it's really interesting, and I kind of like it as its own, like, separate universe. Yeah, and they kind of did that in the 20... The, not 2012, the IDW uh, volume for a little bit with, with Metalhead, but... Um, yeah, yeah, he yeah. seems to be the character that they kind of do stuff like this with. And, I definitely image... don't hate it. So Splinter also trapped in the helicopter. Astro projects himself to Leo, which is going to be like Leo's big thing in this run. And he, he kind of is trying to tell Leonardo like what their surroundings are, where he thinks they're going. And you get this really cool image where the cyborgs are looking at Splinter and he's just floating in the middle of the helicopter cockpit. They're like, uh, lady, the, the rat's floating. So they promptly knock him out. Yeah, I love how she says that he's at least a seventh level ninja to accomplish that trick. Yeah. like <laughs> way back in the river story arc, it's stated that Splinter is a 12th level ninja master. So, you know, there's some there's some continuity there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a really cool cool connection. I never would have put that together. Well, sometimes the rivers can and sometimes it isn't. So <laughs> I just yeah, exactly. But I, I just find it funny that uh just just the idea of like there being like different levels to it. You know, I don't know how you graduate from one level of ninja to the other, you know, if it's XP and then you just kind of <laughs> are there and you gain the ability. Yeah, that's uh it that type of stuff always comes off as very comic book, uh, like he's a level ten wizard, uh, like type. Like it's just so it's so cliche, I guess is the word I'm trying to say. Like, but it works. It's no, a I, it's a good shorthand for letting you know someone's good at something. Whenever it pops yeah. up, I always wait for somebody to throw some dice. So they knock Splinter out, and the the end of the comic is just Leo suddenly alone in the astral plane just left with questions so he he sort of knows where splinter and donnie might be but not really you get kind of a boring to be continued they don't get all creative with that like they do in mirage what what do you mean like the way they wrote it yeah yeah because mirage would always write it some kind of fancy way yeah you've got like a big single page at the very end that's like oh boy you know what's what's gonna happen next Breaking out the original issue again, because I think I remember hearing that the originals didn't even have... Yeah, the original issues don't even have the to-be-continueds. Oh, well. It's also worth noting that the original issues are in black and white. That's something we probably should have said. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a throwback to their black and white roots right after their first color volume. (laughs) They were like, okay, let's throw it back to black and white. Did they did they keep the turtle tracks letters in those image books? Well, this is the first issue, so it might it's not in here, but it might just be because this is the first issue. I didn't I didn't grab any others. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't keep it up for the image run, but it, it's one of those things that's kind of there. It, it's interesting some of the the arguments and the things that you see people that were talking about at that time. And- yeah, absolutely. I try to I try to grab those for our show anytime something's interesting. 
And I have to say, I, I mean, we brought it up before, I give people a lot more credit back then for doing that because they had to sit down and angrily jot that out and then drive and angrily <laughs> shove it in the mailbox. Now you just jump online. Yeah, you, there's a lot more stops for you to, like, stop and have to think about it. So you really had to care <laughs> to, to send in a letter back in the day. <laughs> Makes it a little more special when it actually gets in the issue. <laughs> Overall thoughts on the issue, um, I I actually, uh, one thing I thought was weird is that Casey and April aren't there, like yeah. the, the turtle's birthday, you know, maybe Shadow. I mean, I know from a writing point of view why they're not there, because they don't want to have to deal with like a little kid Shadow uh, with, with this cyborg attack, but from like a personal standpoint, it seems weird that Casey and April aren't at the turtle's birthday, and we don't see Casey for a while in this volume. Yeah. The weird thing that stuck out to me immediately when I reread it was how much text is in this first issue. It's definitely more than we were getting in volume two. Because <laughs> like I said, I think volume two was them just being like, you know, it was it was it was mostly one artist doing it and, and he was writing it and doing the art. And he was probably like, OK, that th this issue is w where this happens. And now I'm going to go draw that, you know. How do you guys feel about the turtle's look and image? You know, I actually remember not liking this art in this series um, more back when I first read it. I think the artist stays the same, but I'm wondering if Eric Larson is off on the inks uh, later on in this series. Because I could have sworn when I was finishing it up that the art kind of started looking a little messier. And then you also got to see how Fosco's art changes in uh, in the written ending that they created for for the Urban Legends series. But I actually don't mind it. I, I really actually kind of like it. I like what they do with them. I kind of do like my Turtles bulkier, uh, like these ones. So I'm, I'm a fan. I don't really have any strong feelings one way or the other. Like, it's, you know, it's... It it's exactly what Image Comics Turtles should look like. I'll say that. <laughs> it's, um... It's not my favorite turtle look, but I also, I don't have anything against it. I mean, to their credit, there's no chains on them, so they didn't go full-blown 90s. <laughs> yeah, they don't have pouches either, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Bandoliers. I will say I don't like the way they draw Raph's sigh. I've already said it. But yeah, I'll, yeah. If we're talking about look, that's that's a gripe I have. I don't like the whole image volume. His sigh never looked good to me. But other than that, there's a lot of great art in here. I love the cyborgs. I I, I love, uh, like, they draw a splinter really cool. I like when he's short like that. So, I, I mean, as far as rating, I only gave this a 3.7 because it, it's certainly not dull, but it's kind of all over the place. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it about the same. Uh, you know, it is it is... It just throws you right in the middle of it, and you kind of feel confused for a minute until you get your bearings. But yeah, probably about a 3.7, maybe, maybe a little bit higher. I, I do like their writing for the characters' voices, at least for Raph and, and Michelangelo. It's very similar to the 2003 series, I feel like, in this, like the, that, that animated series. And so it really kind of reminds me of that, especially when Raph talks and Michelangelo. Uh, and so I kind of like those distinct voices that they're kind of getting in this. Um, I rated it a four out of five. I really oh, liked wow. it. It's, you know, there's a lot of great cyborg action. 
right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people write this book off because of like it's you know because they say you know quote unquote like it's trying to be edgy. Um, yeah. But and it does like have some turtles being harmed and you know in the first few issues, and I imagine that's where people are coming from. And it sounds like a lot of the marketing around this was definitely a lot of the this isn't your you know your cartoon turtles type thing when they were first trying to release yep. this book. But that's what you want out of an image volume, you know. I I'll bet if this was the only turtles, uh, you know, if if this was still to this day the ongoing turtle continuity, I'd feel different. But the fact that it's self-contained, you can enjoy it for what it is, you know. I wouldn't say it's edgy. I mean, maybe at the time, but. Part of why I was excited to do it is I knew it was going to be ridiculous. So. Well, and I think I think where that edgy thing comes from once again is people being like, it's an image book. People that are used to growing up with the cartoon, and then now they're old enough in the '90s to read comic books, and this is the book they have for them. I, I don't know; those are my only guesses. But there are people that will often refer to it as as kind of like an edgier book, and it's really not that bad. It's really not that much different than what the other stuff we've seen before in Mirage. Yeah, and it definitely goes full throttle out of the gate, which is, uh, you know, a plus for sure. Like, the, you know, by, this, by the second page, their lair is broken into. They're fighting cyborgs and ninjas. It's, I don't know. I, I really like it. I really like it. And I, I, like I said, I like that it's contained. I wouldn't want it to be the ongoing continuity, but I like it for what it is. And I'm glad that we finally made it to this part in the podcast where we're uh we're we're looking at the crazier side of turtles. We haven't seen this kind of crazy since the guest era of volume one. So I I came up with a title for the issue, since it doesn't have yes, one. Yes. So since these are all <laughs> untitled, uh, we figured we would come up with our own titles for these issues. Um, so yeah, what did you, what did you go with? So this is stop or my cyborg will shoot. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm not I I've learned I'm not good at these titles. I came my title is Cyborg Surprise Party. I think I would just go out with the uh cop out of every single like beginning of every Ninja Turtle series. Things change. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Except the change would be all in caps and like on fire. Things changing is constant changing forever. All right, so I think that's everything we got to say for for the first issue here but there is plenty of volume three to come make sure you tune in next week to hear volume uh, issue two of volume three the crazy only gets crazier we will be back for that you can find us on twitter and instagram we're going to tweet out all kinds of images that we talked about and also you guys should all be checking out ninja turtle power hour why don't you uh tell us where they can find that yeah ninja turtle power hour uh, it's on pretty much everything we record through Anchor. So, you know, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, uh, well, not iTunes, technically Apple podcasts. It's, it's everywhere. It publishes it to all platforms. So look for us at Ninja Turtle Power Hour. All our socials are at Ninja Turtle PH because I guess Power Hour is, is too much and too long. So <laughs> now everyone just thinks we want to know the acidity of, of Ninja Turtles. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, we try and, we try and cover the entire Ninja Turtles series. Uh, well, everything Turtles is what we're trying to do. Like, what's really great about you guys is you're able to you stop and you cover everything like one at a time, and so you're able to spend a lot of time talking about this stuff. We cover it in bigger chunks because I don't. Know, I guess my goal is to one day get caught up. <laughs> we'll see if that ever happens. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, everyone agrees IDW is where it's at. That's where you want to be. <laughs> I actually loved the Mirage books. They're what got me into comic books in general. Uh, like, oh, really interesting. I, I loved comics before. Like, I'd, I'd read them in the paper. I would read my Bionicle ones that came with my Lego Club magazine. You know, that kind of stuff. But I never really, like, got into comic books until I read those original Mirage issues of Ninja Turtles that are in the Ultimate Collection, like those first... 15 or so. I think it was up to the unmentionables is what they had on the Mirage website. For me, they hold a special place in my heart and I, I love them to death, but well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners relate to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're listening to a Ninja Turtle podcast, you probably agree. Yeah, but definitely IDW Turtles are fantastic. I love them just as much as I do Mirage. They do a fantastic job of bringing everything in together and I love them too. And they're the the most successful so run. So with that, we'll get one step close. Oh, go ahead, Sean. I was going to say, IDW is the most successful run. Still going over 100 issues. Yeah, and it's it's really good. I Like I said, definitely don't want to downplay it by saying that I really love Mirage. I love IDW and cannot wait to get there one day. And that is the beginning of all of the insanity that Volume 3 is going to bring we'll be back into volume three issue number two next week so be sure to tune in for then but in the meantime it is the first monday of the month so what we like to do there is we like to thank all the people that help us out on patreon so we'd like to thank alonzo evening ian janky zipper lenny not dead luis diaz naris corpse noe rob luther and tara clarkson and if you don't know one of the things you get for helping us out on Patreon is that we've been doing a bonus episode every single week for our Patreon subscribers, and it's more about stuff not Turtle-related, just whatever's going on in nerd news at the time. We've talked about She-Hulk a little bit, talked about Andor a little bit. Right now, as of this recording, we're counting down my favorite episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark leading up to Halloween, so it's just... Pretty much everything that doesn't fit into a Ninja Turtle show that Sean and I want to talk about, it's going on there. So it's a fun time, and it only costs $1 a month to get access to that. So it's the lowest we could have set it at. <laughs> so if if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate going over and supporting us on Patreon. If not, tell a friend about the show, leave us a review, subscribe if you haven't yet so you don't miss our new episodes, and thank you all very much for listening. We'll be back next week with Volume 3, Issue 2.